welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. First Peter chapter 5. Let's start from verse 6 all the way to verse 10. Let's go to verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisted fast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the, in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Please, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God of all grace, that after we've suffered a, a while, because you've called us into your glory, you, have the, you alone have the ability to settle us. We pray that reveal your word to us, reveal yourself to us through your word, that we will be able to walk more closely with you and be able to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, casting our cares upon you and resisting the devil. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this text is very amazing. It's loaded, beautiful, and has a lot to catch or to take in. Um, well, in a previous session, I spoke about how he said, Ye younger ones, submit yourself, verse 5, submit yourself to the elder. Yes, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed. I spoke much more about how we should use humility as an identifying um, cloth or a fashion object. Humility should be our fashion. And we should clothe ourselves with humility. Because the problem is that God actually resists the proud. He just has to resist you if you're proud. And, but God gives grace, and he's a God of all grace. So I believe that when we are going through anything, when Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 he went through something, and the Bible said, for this I prayed three times from verse 7. Verse 8 says, I prayed about this three times and asked the Lord to, that it would take, take it away from me. But verse 9 is very important, significant. And God said to me, that's to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient. It's not, a pro it's not a problem, it's the grace you have. So what grace you prayed under will determine how far you will go in spite of what challenges and problems come your way. It is grace that makes the journey great. The race of life, it takes grace to thrive and do well in the race of life. We need grace to do well in the race of life. 
grace. So he said, don't worry about what you're going through. What you need is grace. You are going through so much troubles, challenges, but what you need is grace. And how do you access grace? He said, just humbling yourself. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God means that embrace whatever God says is good. Whatever God says is bad, see, see it as bad. When he says it's good, see it as, see it as good. In spite of what you go through, how it favors you, whether it favors you or not, you take God's side. You do it God's way. You accept what God accepts, reject what God rejects, in spite of its consequences on you. That is what it means to be humble. To, to be proud is that what God says is not the first option. Your whims, your purpose, your feeling, your desires, how you feel about things, that's what governs your decision. You keep God out. You cause God to resist you. And so he says that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The first time we saw this is in Exodus where he says that God said he will bring the children of Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand. If you want to see the mighty hand of God working for you, it, it calls for humility. We will not just... Uh, humbling ourselves, but clothe yourself with humility. And then humble ourselves. Be humble. Allow God to use the situation to keep you in your place. So um, some translations use the word, be humble. Be humble under the mighty hand of God. So the humble is the act of God. God is doing something and allow the situation to work on you in a way which might not be your initial preference. However, the B is your action. So B, allow the situation, God's situation, to work on you in spite of how you feel about it. Be humble. And be humble or humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Then he goes on to talk about the due time. There's a time when... see. I don't, I've not heard of any uh, baby in the womb that has stayed more than um, three years. You're pregnant for three years? No. It's not, the due time comes. Once it's nine months, it can just go a, bit, a few days afterwards. Other than that, it won't work. God is a God of time and process. He sets a due time. And your due time for elevation, when you humble yourself under God's hand, he will vindicate you. He will fight for you. He will prove you right. He will put your enemies to shame and exalt you. But it's, the exaltation from God has a time. Is is has a timeline. God has a timeline. There is a period of you going, being humble, and then after that, there is also a period of being exalted. So don't let us put the cart before the horse. There is a time for your exhortation. And the Bible says, in due time. So sometimes it looks like people have left you behind and you have been left behind and things are not working for you. No, just do it God's way and in due time you'll be married. In due time you, 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 your, your, work, your ministry will do well. In due, don't do anything dodgy. Just walk with God. Do it God's way. That's humility. And in due time, He will lift you up. This is very, very important to understand. And... Then verse 7 is very important. Verse 7 says, casting all. First of all, let's look at the word casting. Casting is a very active word. That means that the word translated casting means that you, it's, you must do it in, with force, with intention. 
<laughs> you know when um, one day I was trying to warm something. No, I was trying to, um, yeah, warm something in the microwave. And I didn't realize that the ceramic plate and bowl has become so hot. So after everything, I was quite hungry. So I just grabbed it from the microwave. I, I've taken it already. If I leave it, it will drop and everything. So I have to quickly put it on the worktop or put it on the table. So as I took it, I had to quickly drop it. I had to cast it because it, 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 was, it was hurting me. It was, it was burning. You know, you have to drop it quickly. Sometimes you might pick something and then, oh, no, and throw it away. So casting on, it doesn't belong to you. That's the, that's the word you hear. Cast it. Just throw it away. Leave it. Let it go. Man has not been designed to carry problems. I was explaining to some people about how there are different types of cars or vehicles. Okay, a car is not meant to be carrying certain type of load, the car will break down. There are times a whole bus will break down, yet there are towing lorries that can tow a bus. You can't do it with your car because not meant to carry that kind of load. And in fact, there are lorries that carry cars. Sometimes you see 10 cars on one lorry. You can't my friend's car is broken now, so I'm going to carry their car or my car. It has, it's not meant to do that. Now, when you carry problems, that's why people have breakdown, emotional breakdown, nervous breakdown, stress, and depression, because God didn't design us to carry. Carry those anxieties. It will break you down. You are not meant, you are not meant to carry it. So he says that casting all your care, you have to have this I don't care attitude. Oh, yeah. I'm not bothered. I can't be bothered. I don't care. Whatever the devil throws at me, I don't care. What do you mean, Pastor? But you have to do something about Do what you can do and leave what you can't do. Do what you can do. You hear, or you are, you're, you're, you're driving and you have a flat tire, a puncher, suddenly. Should you say, I don't care, sit down? No. Call the recovery service. And then, Maybe you're supposed to be somewhere and you're going to be late. There's nothing you can do. So just leave. Don't be anxious. Forget about that. Call, do what you can do and leave what you can't do. Now, it takes a certain level of faith to work with God to be able to do that. Or if you can change the tire, fix it. Get up, fix it. Be as quick, quick, quick as possible because you're supposed to be somewhere. Do it as quickly as possible. But what? There's, no, there's so much we can't do. But sometimes it seems like we have to do it other than that our lives are at stake. Don't lose sleep because you can't do it. Trust God and cast that care upon him. God, this is your problem and go to bed. And you go to bed. I don't care. Do what you can do and you can do and leave the rest for God. Learn how to cast your care. And guess what? The word translated care, it's... Um, it sounds like something like a merizo. So, yeah, the word translated merima. But merima, it's the actual root word is merizo. Okay, merima terms are from a root word which is merizo. Now, merizo is to be divided. So, so to divide something, to merizo it, 
<laughs> you know, to divide it apart. Now watch this. When it says, casting all your care, that Greek word care, which is merimak, stemming out from merizo, is, it sends a signal that this challenge, that this care, or let me, before I even go into that, casting all your care, some translation says your anxiety. I think New American Standard Bible, New American Version says that, casting all your anxiety. So it's not like just, I care. An anxiety, Satan uses anxiety to try to break you down. And he said, don't cast a bit of it. Cast it all. It's there. Cast all your anxiety. Throw it away. No away. Just throw it on God. Cast it upon God. So he said, throw it on him. He, he has what it takes to handle it. Sometimes I say, well, I've left it with God. And relax. The way they're treating you, I've left it with God. The way what is going on in your marriage, I've left it for God. And now be humble and do what God said I should do. What is going on in my relationship with that person in my, in, at, at work, in, in, in church? What is going on? I'll do what is right and leave the rest for God. Pastor, humble yourself. In other words, do what you know is right. Don't change the figures. Don't cut corners. Minister. Do what you know is divinely right, is godly right, biblically right. That is humility. And you attract grace so much. And he said, leave the rest. So cast, cast your care upon him. Now, the merizo, very important. The merizo means divide. So merima coming from merizo means that that situation the devil has brought on you or you have been exposed to, it's meant, it's not just the anxiety, it's meant to make you have divided opinion. Divide. You are confused. You are all over the place. You can't have a single focus, a single mind. You, it's like divided, your mind is divided. Bible said that anyone who is a double-minded person should not think you receive anything from God. That's serious. In the book of James, chapter 1 from 7, says that, for let not that man suppose that he received anything from. Look at verse. Let's go to verse 8. It says that he is a double-minded man, unstable in his way. That's why I said, let him not think he'll receive anything from God. Now, Merizo is make, to make you double-minded, to divide your opinion. You are not sure what you are even standing for. You are not sure whether you are, you are too in to be out, yet you are too out to be in. It's like... You can't have a single focus because of what you are going through. You are confused. Your mind is all over the place. Your emotions are all over the place. The devil is using this anxiety to destabilize your work with God, to destabilize your focus in God, to destabilize your ability to fulfill your assignment. Oh God, help us. So what are you supposed to do? Cast all your care. All the anxiety is, is meant to divide you. It's meant to give you a stable mind. Cast it all upon God. Cast all your care or your anxiety upon him. Why? Because he is faithful. He cares about you. So now what he's writing to people who are going through suffering. And he's saying that this suffering brings anxiety. And the anxiety that the suffering brings is supposed to be cast upon him because even God, oh, thank you, Jesus. Even though God has allowed the suffering to come to you, he's using the suffering to build you. He is using the suffering to produce something better out of you. He said, 
if you suffer, if it be the will of God that you suffer for doing well. In chapter 4, we saw it towards the end of chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. We saw it that if it be the will of God and you suffer for doing good. Verse 19, chapter 4, verse 19. Therefore, let whoever suffer according to the will of God. So this is something you can suffer and it's, it's in God said, that's okay, it's in order. It's okay, I'm using it to, to build you. I'm using it to correct you. I'm using it to discipline you. I'm using you it to polish you, not to punish you. He doesn't punish believers, he polishes us. So he said, I'm, that's okay, but sometimes too much. It's, it's what you're going through. No, 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 God, where are you? Eli, Eli, Lamax, Abatani, in what way is this helping me? And he says that, trust God, and when you go through that, cast your care upon him because he actually is faithful. He cares for you in a very faithful, in a very faithful and trustworthy way. So cast it upon him. Believers, that's where the rubber hits the road between a Christian and a non-Christian or a believer and a non-believer or a believing saint and a backsliding saint. The ability to let God be God. Humbling yourself. Say, God, let your will be done. I cast it upon you. This room. Sister, I know a few issues have happened in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your career, in your relationship. Cast it upon him and do it God's way because he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now then he goes on. This is so important because... If, you, if we don't humble ourselves, it gives Satan an advantage over our lives. So you humble yourself and cast your anxiety. Other than that, there is a lurking enemy just around the corner, hiding in the dark, actually coming after you. Satan has a very wild appetite for you. He's hungry for you. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He may devour. He's ready to tear you apart, devour you. He has a very healthy appetite for you. <laughs> My brother, Satan has a very a healthy appetite for you and unfortunately, you also have an Achilles heel. We have our weak points. Satan wants to take advantage of that. You have your weak points. You are working with God, but still struggling with something. You are taking us down for God, but you are still struggling with something. You look mighty. You look strong. You seem like you are doing well, but there's your Achilles heel. There's your soft spot. You're, you're, you are as weak as your weakest link. Your Achilles heel. And every human being has an Achilles heel. Every human being. It doesn't matter how powerful, how strong, how mighty. There is a soft spot Satan has discovered and he knows it and he's going to use it. So how do you go past your weakness? How do you manage this? How do you uh, grow past your weakness? Your weak point. You have a weak point. How do you grow past it? Because this weak point, every now and then, keeps interrupting and interfering with your growth. 
You, you. <laughs> There's a place where Paul, Paul wrote to his, the church and he says that you were doing so well. Who cut in on you? Who crossed you? At, oh yeah, I think it's Galatians. Uh, Galatians, I'm sure. Galatians chapter 5, somewhere there. He said you were doing so well. Who, who, who cut in on you? Yeah, verse 7. You, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The NIV, that's the one I was going. You were running a good race, bro. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You were running so well, sister. Until this lockdown came in. You were running so well until just last month. When someone spoke some things to you, treated you, or when you lost a job, when you lost something, and when you got overtaken by temptation, and it looks like it has spiral, or it's just a cascade, it has a cascading effect. You were doing so well. Who cutting on you to disobey the truth? To walk in pride. That's another way of saying disobeying the truth. Who cutting on you? That's a very powerful scripture. Galatians 5, 7. You were running a good race. New Living Translation. You were running the race so well. You have joined the choir. You do, For once, you felt like you were actually walking with God. You were doing well. You were doing well with your marriage, with your relationship, with your job, with your career. You're doing well with your family life. Your relationship with your father is not getting better. You're doing well. Now addiction has, you've overcome this addiction. You were doing so well. You went six months without smoking. Six months without getting drunk. Six months without fornicating. Six months or ten months. Or something you haven't been able to go a week without that. For the first time in your life, you were doing so well. You were doing so well to the extent that you even were given responsibility of taking care of other believers. You were taking care of some believers, raising them. You were becoming a church leader. You have been appointed into leadership. You were doing so well. You have been made a, an elder. You have been made a deacon or a deaconess. You have been made a minister. You have been made a pastor. You have actually become a bishop. You were doing so well. What happened? What happened? Be sober. Be vigilant. Watch out. Because you are doing well. Watch out. Because someone has an appetite for you. What do you do? How do you go past your weak point? Because you were doing well. You were doing well. And you feel like, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of sin? This weakness is, keeps, is, is, is messing me up, man. It's messing me up. You are doing so well, ma'am. You are doing so well, dad. Mr. Husband, you are doing so well. Mr. Potential Husband, you are doing so well. Madam Wife, you are doing well. You are doing well. You've managed this crisis so long. You have done so well. Satan has always been looking for you. He's looking for you and finding a way to trigger the challenge again. Use your Achilles heel against you. Because you have a weak point. You know it. Ha! 
But it's not only you who knows it. Your adversary also knows it. That's why the Bible says that. Cast your care upon him. Because your adversary is an adversary. So you have to be sober. And you notice the word sober here was used in the New Testament just about six times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And then, um, in, actually, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. The, it was the same Greek word, but it was used watch instead, not the sober. It, 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 we use the word let us watch and be sober. That, that's 1 that's, um, Thessalonians 5, 6. 1 Thessalonians verse 8. It talks about being sober. So soberness is important. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. It talks about watch, which is sober. You know. Watchful, that's be sober. The, 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 translate, the other translation will use be sober. All right? Sober, that's it. By you, be sober in all things. It was used six times, really. In the New Testament, the word sober, it has to do with the way your mindset is going, the way you are getting your mind in order and keeping your focus. Used six times in the New Testament, three times in other places, and three times in First Peter. Peter kept using this word sober because it was him who denied Jesus. And he used to be sober. First, first Peter chapter 1 verse 13. He said, be sober. Get your mind. He said, get up the loins of your mind. Be sober. It has to do with the way your mind is. Your thinking will influence your living. Your thinking determines your living. So be sober. First, first, first Peter chapter 4, verse 7. It talks about when we go through all this fiery furnace and trouble, but, but the end of all things are hand. Therefore, be, be serious and watchful. Be serious. But King James, be sober. That word translated serious is, is be sober. Therefore, sober. Be ye therefore sober. Sober. And then he uses again the third time in first, what we are just reading. Be sober and be vigilant. Chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober and be vigilant. And so soberness has to do with our thinking, our mind. Get up the loins of your mind and be sober. Keep your mind in order. Don't let your mind be roaming around. You see, anxiety. Anxiety, you cannot. You can't be sober in anxiety, under anxiety, or when you're anxious. You can't be sober and anxious at the same time. That's why you have to cast your care upon him so that you'll be sober. You'll be sober. It is necessary. Then he didn't just say sober, but he said, so sober is like your mind is alert. And your, your mind is, you have kept yourself, you're cool and you're focused. And, you know, be composed and keep yourself together. And it's a function of your, your thinking keeps you sober. But guess what? Not only sober, he said, be alert, be vigilant. The, the, the only way you can deal with the devil is being vigilant. In suffering, we are let. And now we are putting it. Watch out! Alarm bells are going up. Watch out! Watch out! New Living Translation. Stay alert! Watch out for your great enemy. Why should you watch out? Now, that word watch out is a military term they used, where it's like a soldier on the front line. Sniper fire is ready to take you out. So you have to be vigilant. That's not the time to relax. Listen, brother, you are at a stage in your life, this is not the time to relax. Satan knows your Achilles heel. Sorry, he's discovered it and he's going to use it again. So you have to be sober. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. Don't be, don't be 
distracted. Be vigilant. Watch out. Alert. There should be a sense of alertness. Alert. 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 <laughs> you go somewhere, maybe in the dark, and you're quite not sure of something. You feel like there is something lurking in the bushes somewhere. And because you hear some, the rattling of the leaves. What's going on? Because someone told you sometimes in the night some stuff come here, some wild animals like a fox or you know, wolf. There were some wild dogs, they've been hiding here, so you have to be mindful. So with, you are going and you had that in mind, and you, you are like, then you heard the, raff, the, the, the raffling of the rattling of the leaves. You, know, you, you are just alert. You are very much alert. I like it when, you know, a prominent person like a prime minister, a president, or some goes to a very dangerous area, and you need the security guards. They, are all, they open the door, and they are just, they are very, you, you can't, that's not a time to, hey, Man, hey guy, man, five high five, man. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. You are guarding the president, so you can't high five anybody. You must be so by vigilant, and you see their faces and they are watching all around. They are watching. They don't watch where everybody is watching. They watch other places. Many people are not watching. That's a sober man, a vigilant man. Jesus said to them, listen to how he puts it. He says, um, watch and pray. Matthew chapter twenty-six, verse forty-one. He said, watch and pray. Why? Other than that, you, temptation will take you. Why? The, 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 the problem is that your spirit is willing. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Spirit is willing. But your flesh is weak. Achilles heel is there. Oh, my goodness. You guys, don't pat yourself because you have a good heart. Don't be patting yourself at the back. Oh, boy, you have a good heart. You, don't, you can have a good heart and still mess up. <laughs> You can have a good heart and have an accident. You can have a good heart and fall. You can have a good heart and fall into trouble. So, stop patting yourself on your back and be vigilant, be sober, be watchful. Open your eyes because you have an adversary. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, talks to them about the end times and how we should watch. He said, watch therefore, for you, <laughs> for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. You have to be on guard. Luke 21, 36. I like that text. Luke 21, 36 says that. Watch, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. Uh-oh, uh-oh, to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the, there are things that are coming it to take a certain level of alertness watchfulness to escape mm -hmm. don't say I, I used to pray i've been praying 24 hours a day or uh, i mean i pray a lot i pray a lot i'm a prayer warrior i used to pray a lot but so i've, I've had enough, enough investment into my life. No, with the season you have gotten into, you require extra prayer and watchfulness. But your, your, your daughter's age means that you have to open your eyes. Your daughter's friends, your, your son's, your son has developed a certain taste. It can ruin his life. Mom, open your eyes. Dad, open your eyes. Don't get busy trying to make money and enjoy movies. 
and leave the children to also live their life. The age and the stage they have got into. Open your eyes. Be vigilant. Your son has made a dangerous friend at school. You can see. Watch out and you will see the signs at home. Open your eyes. Mom, I'm prophesying to you. Open your eyes. Your daughter has crossed the stage where she was that innocent. Open your eyes. <laughs> Open your eyes. I wish I, I wish I could say that in French. Over, over your eyes. <laughs> Watch out, wife. Your husband has stopped for so long, it looks like it's becoming normal. Open your eyes. Don't take silence for consent. <laughs> Pastor, open your eyes. Be vigilant. There's a wolf in your system. He's very gifted, but very disloyal. Is at large in your system. The sheep are at stake. Oh, take it to yourself. You have stopped praying. You have stopped fasting. Now you spend too much time on social media. Pastor! Open your eyes. Satan has arrived. <laughs> Don't underestimate your enemy. Don't underestimate or neither should you overestimate. But certainly, if the devil exists, as the Bible says, then you will need help to handle him. <laughs> if what the Bible says about Satan is true, which is so, then that starts to imply we will need help from outside ourselves to be able to deal with this devil. Open your eyes. Watch out! Watch out. You are seeing some signs. You are beginning to feel signs of ill health pattern. When you look at your age and you look at your family, the trend, health trend in your family, the way you started feeling, I think you should watch out and check your diet. Check your diet. Oh boy, I feel like preaching. It's, this thing is very prophetic. Times are changing. After this lockdown, open your eyes. Don't think life is the same. The lockdown has changed a lot, but a lot of people haven't noticed. They are going as normal, reacting as usual, the way you've always reacted with things. Reacting, no, no. Pastor, wake up. Wake up, wake up. The night is fast spent. The days at hand. Therefore, let us put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. 13, verse 14, sorry. 12, verse 13. The night is fast spent. The days at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Night is fast spent. By this time when you ought to be teachers. So there's timing for everything. I don't know who I'm sent to prophesy to, but I certainly know someone is listening to me, and you can hear the, the alarm 
the trumpet call of God clearly, loud and clear in your ears. Don't wish the problem away. Do something about it. Open your eyes. Be alert. Don't just hope it won't happen. Open your eyes. Cast your care upon God and do what you have to do. Do as the occasion demands. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, is that watching and to pray. It says that praying always in all prayer, uh, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. We have to be watchful. You have to be watchful. Don't just say I'm prayerful. You have to also be watchful. You have to be watchful. Your feelings are trying to lead you as the previous days. It happened and it cost you so much. And Satan is about to use it again. Your Achilles heel. Wake up. Watch out. Your Achilles heel. Watch out. How do you go past your weak point? Yeah. That's what we saw now. You have it. I got it. I have to be watchful and be sober. The mind plays a major role. What you are feeding your mind with will determine the outcome of your life. It will determine how you win the battle. Because the battlefield is actually in your mind. But you need to feed your spirit to be able to deal with it. It's your spirit will inject supernatural strength. Be you renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4.23. Be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind. Huh. Right. So we've seen how anxiety. Jesus actually tells us not, be, not to be anxious. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. He tells us not to be anxious. You know, we have to be careful. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about, about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. Oh, he said life is better than food and what you wear. Wow. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says that, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anxiety take over. Anxiety will paralyze you. And anxiety will make you a prey to satisfy the hunger of the devil. He's hungry for you. It's not only anxiety. You remember he spoke about humble yourself and don't be anxious. Those two things, humility or, let me put it this way rather, pride and anxiety makes you a prey for the satisfying of the hunger of your adversary. It makes you a delicious prey. <laughs> Pride makes you a delicious prey to the devil, your enemy. To satisfy his hunger, to satisfy his hunger. Anxiety. So two things you have to watch out. Anxiety and pride will make you a delicious prey to satisfy. The hunger of your, the prowling or roaring, roaming or roaring enemy, C. 
seeking whom? It's not everyone who can be a victim to the devil. It's a whom? Seeking whom? Whom? I mean, some won't. Whoever. Whoever. Seeking whom? Your Achilles, everyone will have Achilles heel, but it's not everyone who will be a, a prey. We all do. I have it. Bishop has got it. The Archbishop has got it. The Pope has even more. <laughs> <laughs> Every human being has at best uh, clay feet. We all have it. Achilles' heel is being used against you. And watch out, all right. Now let's go back into the text. I want to draw attention to something. Watch this. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, oh, 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 pause on that word, your adversary. Satan is presented as an adversary. Now, that Greek word translated adversary, which also means Satan, okay, which means the deceiver or the, uh, the slanderer. He will slander you, say all kinds of things about you to make sure that you are not, you are not doing well. To make sure he will discredit you, he will defame you, your adversary. You remember in Matthew chapter 13, when from verse 20 somewhere there, when Jesus tells them a parable from 23 particularly about how a good man went to sow seeds and whilst men slept, an evil one came and sow an evil seed. But look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. While men slept, his enemy, that word is his adversary, his opposer. That's why you have to be vigilant. He works best when you are not alert. Satan works best when you are not alert. So number one, Satan is real. You have a weak point. That's, that's, that's the scary bit. But it's natural. It's human. You have a, an Achilles heel. You have a weak point. And then you have an enemy. Two things you have. <laughs> you have an enemy. You have a weak point you can use. So what you got to do? What do you have to do? You have an enemy. You have a weak point. And sometimes people look at you. They don't know what you're going through. And they, won't, they don't understand and sometimes they write you off, they judge you, they say all kinds of things about you because of your, your Achilles heel has given way. Your weak point keeps giving way. Sometimes it happens at a very vulnerable state where you can't afford for it to happen. It happens that people see your nakedness. And you have been identified as that weak one. Mm -hmm. Yet your enemy is not tired because... You are such a delicious prey. <laughs> you, you think you're a beautiful girl. You're a delicious prey, not a beautiful girl. You think you're a handsome guy, cool guy. You're actually a delicious prey for your enemy. He said, when, whilst men stop watching, whilst men relaxed, while, he said, leave Ephraim alone. She's, he's attached to his idols. Amos chapter 6 verse 1, he said, woe to him who is at ease in Zion. Don't be at ease. You should be alert, not at ease. Don't be
be at ease. Why? Why? Because you have two things. You have an enemy. You have an adversary. And you have a weak point. Oh, no. Oh, no. What you going to do? You are a big man of God, but your weak point is also big. It's big in your life. It's a big thing. I know you are big, but you also have a weak point, which is a big thing. And it's privately tearing you down. Satan is using it, and he's using different means, coming through images, conversations, exposure, pride, anxiety. He's using every means. Social media can be very dangerous. It can be. It can be most of the time, much of the time, because it gives you a private world. It gives you a very private world, but it's a whole world, and no one knows. You can stay there and enjoy, thinking you are enjoying, because you are just there as, you have the privacy. You just, you can, you are there, but you are in a, you are sitting with other people, but you are in a different world. Watch out. Something. Watch out. Satan is coming to shave your logs. Anointed something. Your logs are as thick. Watch out. Don't think Delilah's lap can be a place of rest. No. I know you are tired, but be careful how you are defining your rest. You are tired. You are killing. You are tired. I can't take it anymore. You better take it furthermore. Because if you lie on, if you fall asleep on Delilah's lap, you say, no, I will never fall asleep. You can't determine that. I will never fall asleep. You can't determine that. You're falling asleep on Delilah's lap. Your destiny is gone. Before you wake up, your eyes will be gone. Your hair, your dread, your locks, that has been your source of strength. Don't forget, you are not like everybody. You are a Nazarite. It's okay for others to do it, but because you are Nazarite, Nazarite, you can't do some things. You can't go to some places. Let them misunderstand you and, and castigate you and dis, uh, the, uh, defame you and scandalize you or so, say anything else. Whatever they can, they can say, that's okay. As long as your logs are intact, your anointing is still flowing. As long as you are still under grace, he said he will lift you up in his due time. Samson, Delilah is not a lover. He's an enemy. <laughs> Satan will always hide the hook. And give you the bait. He'll give you the food. But he's high. It, there's a hook inside. He'll make sure you don't see it. He will give you the treasure. But hide the trap. There's a trap in that treasure. Girl, you think you've got what others don't, uh, don't tend to get. You've got a, You are privileged. No, you are not. You are not. You are being entrapped. You are being entrapped. Pastor, minister, apostle, prophet, bishop, wake up! Your ministry is under attack. <laughs> bishop, your ministry is under attack. Watch out! The girls are coming! Wake up. Whilst men slept, his enemies came to sow tears. Enemy. 
The Greek word translated adversary in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Our adversary. That is Satan. The Greek word is antidokos. <laughs> it's like antidokos. <laughs> antidokos. <laughs> the, your antidokos. <laughs> so... Some of us have aunties that are almost like this. Antidocus. Be sober and vigilant because your antidocus. Now, antidocus is like a lawyer. It's a legal uh, term or it's a term within the legal framework. And it's like a lawyer who is at court and using every legal means to bring you down. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, prosecutor. He's using every means to pull you down, to make you lose that. So you, he's using, there are actually other legal legitimate means the enemy at the enemy's disposal. That's your Achilles heel. He's using against you. He's finding legitimate grounds to tear your kingdom down, to tear your ministry down, to tear your assignment down, to shave your hair off, to take out your eyes. Samson! David, don't watch Bathsheba. Don't watch Bathsheba. You might think he's just watching, but it's a trap. It's going to ruin your life and sow into your destiny a permanent, a permanent uh, dis disadvantage. Your adversary. Satan is an adversary. Now, let me say something a little about Satan. As I said, if the, if the Bible, what the Bible says about Satan is true, which is, then you have to be very careful. You will need help to deal with Satan. The problem is that people don't understand the nature of our enemy. You don't understand. The problem is, some say, oh, everything Satan, Satan, everything Satan, Satan, everything Satan, because some people overestimate Satan. Somebody once said, when... Uh, someone is going through um, anxiety or is going through uh, some issues that say um, that, yeah, and, uh, let's say anxiety or something is it's, it's either the problem is um, they are either not well or they are lonely or, uh, you know, some sin that is really disturbing you. Your, your mind is all over the place. You, are, you don't feel stable. Or Satan is attacking you. So it's not always Satan. For instance, when someone fails your exam and says Satan. No, it's not always Satan. Yeah. Sometimes you are the actual person who you have to classify as Satan. It's not always Satan. So don't let us overestimate. Like one Satan, and someone said, "I don't want to. You know, I don't want to even bind the devil because I don't want to trouble him. I don't want problem." No, no, don't underestimate. They over, don't overestimate the, the devil. He doesn't have that power to make everything he wants happen in your life. Your enemy does not have that the ultimate power. He said, "Submit, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God." So Satan cannot always accomplish his purposes. He would have killed Jesus when he was born. You could, you could, how come Moses grew up in the camp of the enemy? The enemy trained Moses and showed him how to fight the enemy. 
and gave him all the necessary abilities he need to, needed to fight the enemy. And so God has a way of... Uh, Satan doesn't... So don't... Well, okay, don't overestimate Satan, but also... That's where some of us are making the mistake. You are in Lucia, you are underestimating Satan. You have to understand your enemy. Don't underestimate Satan. Well, he says that the, your adversary, the devil, roars about or roams about. The devil walks about like a roaring lion. Now, watch this. Satan was first of all depicted in the Bible as a serpent, very subtle. He's a deceiver. Subtle. He won't let you know he's coming. But a roaring lion, I mean, that means that he's letting you, he has an, he's announcing his appearance. Just like in the Colosseum. Peter, I don't think Peter has seen lions. So the lions he had seen were the ones in the, um, uh, where, where, where the Colosseum where the believers or the Christians or uh, with the gladiators, whatever they put, they, they take you and the gladiators kill you, or the lions, they fed them to the lion. And sometimes you see the lion open the gate and the, get the, the cage, and the lions roar coming. And Peter was giving that. Is this why it's not coming subtly? He's talking about its ferocious strength and power. Lion. So most of the time, the devil comes very, very, in a sneaky way, in a sly way, surreptitiously in a very clandestine way. However, this one is not focusing on the way he's coming, but he's focusing on the power with which he's coming. A roaring lion. The enemy is coming with such power. Don't underestimate him. If you underestimate your enemy, you will go down fast. One of the, uh, the rules of warfare is you must, you must know your enemy's power and strength. How can you fight someone you don't, whose strength you don't know? Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 14. He said, how can you go and fight, go for war, and you, don't, you are going to fight someone and you don't know the, the, whatever is God in his arsenal? Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first? Consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. This is Jesus speaking. To underestimate your enemy. Know your enemy or understand your enemy. Don't underestimate him and don't overestimate him. The enemy, is, Satan is our enemy. And Bible says that for your adversary, the devil, Diabolos. So uh, Antidocus, Diabolos. Diabolos means the evil one. The evil one. He has evil intentions. Diabolos. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, Diabolus. Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, Diabolus. It's the, sometimes translated the devil, other times translated Satan. Called the devil, he's Satan himself. That's why he showed up before God. Job chapter 1, verse 9, Job chapter 1, verse 10, Job chapter 1, verse 11, Job chapter 1, verse 12. He showed up, Satan showed up before God. Jesus said to Peter, Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you. Satan, yeah. He has a very healthy appetite for you. You are delicious appetite for him. Thank you, Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Resist the devil. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 26, he said, don't give the devil a footstool. That's diabolos. Verse 27, Not that, don't, give the, don't give place to the devil in your marriage, in your parenting, in your career, in your ministry, in your assignment. Don't give the devil a, foot, a footstool. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it talks about how we should so we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is at large. And it's, it's up for you. And unfortunately, you have an Achilles heel. How do you grow past your weakness? Watch out. You've got an Achilles heel. Watch out. You've got a weak point. Brother, watch out. You've got a weak point. Sister, watch out. You've got a weak point. And Satan will come like a lion. In Psalm 22, verse 13 and 21. Very interesting text. Psalm 22, verse 13. This is 22 is a messianic psalm. Psalm 22. They gave at me with their mouth like a raging and a roaring lion. That's Jesus. Psalm. David was talking like Jesus. Verse 21. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horn of the wild ox. You have answered me. May God save us from the lion's mouth. May God save us from the lion's mouth. A few things I want you to understand and as I conclude. Um, one of the things you have to understand about our enemy, Satan, is that he, he tempts, he will tempt you. Two things Satan does. He tempts and he accuses. So Satan, the, uh, the, the adversary, is tempting you to sin. He will always want to tempt you to sin. That's why you have to be alert. So first of all, you have to be alert. Two, you have to understand your enemy. You have to be alert and you have to understand your enemy. So understand your enemy and when to, to understand your enemy, you don't have to over, overestimate him and you don't have to underestimate him. It's very, very important. And he uses two main strategies. You must understand his strategy. Two main strategies against you to try and get you. Number one strategy is temptation. And number two strategy is accusation. He will tempt you. He will use all kinds of things to tempt you. And he's a liar. So, he, first of all, he will try to lie to you and suggest that you, you, this is not a sin. It's just a basic weakness or an enjoyment. God understands. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. He's lying. Behind every temptation is a lie. It is lies that give the temptation its power. Satan will lie to you, say, you'll not be caught, don't worry. Every time you fall into sin, every time you fall into sin, it's because you believed the lie of the enemy rather than, the, that rather than walking in faith. I'll come to that later. So Satan will always use a lie against you. So first of all, remember, he will use... He will tempt you and he will accuse you. What does he accuse? He will tell you you, can, you are weak. You can't do it. You, you are a liar. The other time you did that, God hasn't forgiven you. God will never forgive you. He will keep accusing you. You think you are better than others. You, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself. This church, that thing, forget it. Even when the lockdown is over, when we are going back to church, don't go. Don't go. He don't need it because now you are tired. He's lying to you. He's lying to you and accusing you that you can't do it. Listen, you are a hypocrite. He's telling you you are a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. You know, don't deceive anybody. Stop it. He's lying to you. 
and is accusing you. Satan will lie to you. He will tempt you and he uses lies to tempt you and to accuse you. That's how he fights us. And we have to be able to overcome him. We have to be able to overcome him. And what he does is, the Bible talks about how, I think I'll go on to that in the next session because of my time. Say, Ma, watch out. You have an Achilles heel. And you have an enemy. And your enemy knows about your Achilles heel. And guess what? He's going to use it against you. But stay alert. Stay on guard. Watch out against pride. And watch out against anxiety. Satan will use those two things to devour you because you are a very delicious, delicious commodity for him to devour. He has a delicious appetite for you. But as Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. In our next session, I'll talk about the place of faith in dealing with the devil. Now, you just have to be alert. You have to understand the devil you are dealing with. And know yourself that you have an Achilles heel. I see you winning. I see you progressing. You will not be a victim. And you will not be a failure. You will be a success story. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I pray you receive something this afternoon, uh, this morning or today, wherever you are watching from, what time is it, whatever time it is. I pray you receive something and it's going to change your story. And you, it's going to give you an upper hand. In spite of your Achilles heel, I see you winning. I see you thriving as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and cast your anxiety upon him. I see you. Your Achilles heel can successfully be used by your enemy. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. When God speaks, works show. And the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, Follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.